scripture reading. If you have not uh, joined our Bible reading plan, if you've not joined our Bible reading plan, let me encourage you to do that. You can say, well, how do I do that? Well, in the app, in our app, there is the activity feed. And if you will just jump on the activity feed and scroll down to the New City New City Church Faith Life app, you will get to a, uh, a post about closer, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And in that post, there are links to our Bible reading plan, links to our prayer calendar, and links to our prayer and fasting guide that explains fasting and why we fast and how to fast and ways to fast. So I encourage you, I implore you, during these 21 days to begin 2022, let's as a body spend time in prayer and fasting and scripture reading collectively, seeking God together. You can also, there's also, it's also in our Facebook, church Facebook group, uh, New City Today, there's links there, and um, it's also on the website and the blog. If you go to the blog, you'll find those resources there. Please, I just, I just, I believe that this is an opportunity for us as the body of Christ and of this local body to get on the same page in our prayer and our fasting and our scripture reading and encourage one another and strengthen one another and seek God together. Once this 21 days, days of prayer and fasting are over and our 21 days of Bible reading through this closer season Bible reading plan, once that's finished, and I'm telling you, it's a very, it's a great plan. I, I am enjoying this Bible reading plan tremendously. And, um, but when this 21 day plan is over, we're going to begin another plan that's going to take us through Luke as, as we continue to preach through Luke and, and, and dig into Luke's gospel and through Easter. So we're beginning this morning our second week of our sermon series, this new sermon series um, called Good News. And, and I just want to remind you of what we're looking at and why we're looking at it. So what are we looking at? We're looking at the narrative of Luke, Luke's gospel, right? Gospel means good news, right there, good news, right? Gospel means good news. Luke's gospel is good news, is the good news of Jesus to the whole world. The first two chapters of, of Luke lay out this narrative that Jesus is good news for the childless couple, for the marginalized worker, for the teenage girl, for the aged dreamer, and for the lady preacher. Jesus is good news. The first two chapters of Luke tell us that Jesus is good news for every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. The, that Jesus is good news for every person looking for wholeness and peace. Jesus is good news for the sinner longing for salvation. Jesus is, is good news for the, for the bound and captive looking for deliverance. Jesus is good news for the broken and the sick. Jesus is good news for the weak and for the poor. Jesus is good news for every nation, every tribe, every tongue and every race. Jesus is good news for the lost and the exiled. Jesus is good news for all people. The first two chapters of Luke make it plain. The horror story of the fall and its effects on humanity is shifting and it's becoming a fairy tale story of rescue and redemption. 
Jesus is good news. Do you hear me? Jesus is good news. So that's the what. So why are we going to spend so much time digging through Luke's gospel? Why are we going to spend so much time looking at this good news story? Well, it's because we are constantly being told bad news and fake news. So we need to look at some good news. What's the bad news? The bad news is this is all there is. The bad news would say this is it. This is all there is. This is, this is everything you can hope for. This is all you can do. This is it. The writer of Ecclesiastes has it right. If this is all there is, if this life and its sorrows and its disappointments and its brokenness and its pain and its death and its chasing after the sun and chasing after the wind, if, if this is all there is, it's vanity of vanities, it is meaningless, it is empty. The bad news is that says that this is your only hope. The bad news says that you are all you've got. The bad news says that this is it. The bad news says that there is no hope for a new heaven and a new earth. The bad news says your brokenness and the brokenness of this humanity is all you can expect. The good news, though, for the bad news is that Jesus is redeeming all things. The good news says that Jesus is our hope. The good news says that Jesus will make all things new. That is good news for the bad news. But there's also fake news. Fake news says that you can be good enough on your own. Fake news says that you can earn God's love. Fake news says that you can create a utopia. Fake news says that you need more than Jesus for salvation. Fake news says that man-made traditions are what please God. Fake news says that personal preferences are equal to spiritual truth. Fake news demands allegiance to Jesus and something else. Fake news demands allegiance to Jesus and a political party or allegiance to Jesus and a tribe or allegiance to Jesus and this church tradition. Fake news says that we must follow the whims of men instead of the truth of Christ Jesus revealed in Scripture. Good news, though, says that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. Good news says that Jesus is the exact image of the Father and the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Good news says that Jesus is the Word made flesh. Good news says that, that every thought and philosophy and ideology will bow at the name of Jesus. Good news is that Jesus is the final answer. Jesus is good news for fake news. So we're going to dig into some good news this morning. We're going to journey with Jesus. This good news requires a journey with Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse uh, 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 41 through, through 50, reading from the CSB, says this. Every year, his parents, it's every year Jesus' parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival after those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they returned. 
returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked them. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. We already knew, listen, we already knew that, 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 that Joseph and Mary were devout. But this is just further evidence of the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph. Every year they would travel to Jerusalem for the Passover. It, it would take them several days of travel. They'd stay in Jerusalem for, for during Passover week. Then they traveled home. These people, these parents were religious. They were devout. They were faithful. And they raised their family to be religiously devout. And we could pause here and we could stop here and we could preach that, right? Parents need to make sure that your children are in the house of the Lord. Parents need to make sure that you're doing what you need to do to bring your children into the house of the Lord. You got to take them with you. You got to bring them with you. You got to make sure that they are in the car ready to go, right? Being devout, being faithful. You got to raise your kids. You have to raise your children in the house of the Lord. Raise your children to know God. Raise your children to 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 worship God. Raise your children to be devout. Now, it, of course, it doesn't take us, you know, days' journeys to get to the church. We don't hang out at the church for a whole week and then take another day, several days' journey home. But every week. Every week, our job as parents, if you're a parent, part of your job as a parent is to bring your kids to church. Mary and Joseph did it. Mary and Joseph did it. They would take their kids. They took Jesus to Passover. What was Passover? We talked about it a, a, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, when we went through our, through our by-faith series. Passover was a religious festival that remembered and celebrated the deliverance of the Hebrews from Egyptian bondage. It, Passover consisted of reenacting the Passover meal and the sacrifice. They would take the lamb, they would sacrifice it, they would sprinkle its blood, they would eat, the, they would cook the lamb, they would eat the lamb. All of this symbolized and remembered and enacted the cleansing and the covering of sin. It, 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 it reenacted and remembered the deliverance from death the freedom from bondage and the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham of a people and a land for God's children. For 12 years, if we read in the story, for 12 years, Mary and Joseph and Jesus made the journey to Jerusalem for the Passover. For 12 years, Jesus watched the lamb sacrificed for the salvation of the people. For 12 years, Jesus had participated in the ritual, in the slaughter, in the sprinkling, in the sweeping, in the cleansing, in the cooking, and in the eating, and in the waiting. For 12 years, Jesus saw his family participate in an active waiting for deliverance, an active waiting. We get, we get so impatient. We get so frustrated when we have to wait. They were actively waiting 
people. And so every year they'd go to Jerusalem and they'd celebrate the Passover in an act of active waiting for deliverance. And every week we gather in church to worship and to celebrate and to have an active waiting in the deliverance and the return of Christ for his church. On this 12th year, for 12 years, Jesus saw his people, the Hebrews, participate in this active waiting for the Messiah to come for 12 years. And on this 12th year, Jesus does not want to leave Jerusalem. On this 12th year, Jesus gets so caught up in the ceremonies and in the law and in the prophets and in the temple work that he stays behind in Jerusalem. His parents don't realize that he stayed behind. It was a large party. They would travel as a large group of, of folks. They didn't have cell phones. They couldn't text. They didn't have, have iCloud where they could see where their kid was at any given moment. Praise God. family so they travel they looked at this they looked for him but they just assumed on this journey with Jesus listen they just assumed on this journey that Jesus was with they just assumed he was with other families it took three days of searching before they found Jesus in the temple teaching the teachers, questioning the lawyers, and astounding the priests. Listen. I'm going to need you guys to shout with me here in a minute because I'm going to preach. I've been thinking about setting this thing down in the floor so I can run around a little bit. They found Jesus in the temple. Do you hear that? They found Jesus in the temple. They found Jesus in the house of the Lord. You can search and you can search and you can search, but I'm going to tell you something. There's something about coming to the house of the Lord and finding Jesus there. There's something about gathering with the people of God in the house of God for the glory of God where you encounter God in a way you don't encounter God anywhere else. And so they found Jesus after three days. Jesus is in the temple. Hear me, church. This, this verse sticks out with me, verse 44. It says, assuming he was in the traveling party. I'm going to preach here. Assuming he was in the traveling party. We have way too much assumption when it comes to where Jesus is and what Jesus is up to and who we are following. We assume way too much when it comes to Jesus in our parties. We just assume that he's walking with us. We assume that he is with us. We assume that, that we got control of Jesus. We assume we know right where he is. We assume, we just assume he's walking our journey instead of us walking the journey with him. We 
just assumed he's going to bless our journey. Meanwhile, we left him behind in the temple. We just assume he's traveling with us because of who we are and where we're from and what our name is and where we came from and who our grandmama is. We just assume that he's walking with us because God bless America. We just assume. We just assume he's in our worship because we sing a song. We just assume he's in our plans because we love the Lord. We just assume we don't pray about it. We don't fast about it. We don't spend time in the word about it. We don't make church attendance a priority. We don't call on the elders of the church to pray over us. We just assume Jesus is in our traveling party. Jesus in all the wrong places. We look to self-help books. We look to this church or to that church, to this preacher or that preacher or this prophet or that prophet. We assume Jesus is in our party. We develop our own plans. We pursue our own goals. When we end, but we leave Jesus in the temple. We assume Jesus is in our politics. We assume Jesus is in our party. We assume Jesus is in our preferences. We assume Jesus is in our party. We assume Jesus is in our traditions. We assume Jesus is in our cultural norms. We assume Jesus is in our party. We assume Jesus is in our show. We assume Jesus is walking with us when we have walked away from the house the Lord. We assume Jesus is walking in our party when we've walked away and left him behind. We've walked away, church. Don't preach. You can you can say amen or oh me, right? We have walked away assuming he's still walking with us. We've walked away from prevailing, passionate, crying out, tear soaking, laying on our faces prayer. We've walked away from a move of the Spirit and letting God move and touch and, and, and shout and, and, and just knock us out. We, we've walked away from biblically sound Bible preaching to whatever tickles our ears and makes us feel good and makes me feel like I'm a better person. We have walked away thinking Jesus is still in our party. We have walked away from the mystery of the table. We have walked away from weekly church attendance. We have walked away from the way of Jesus, and yet we assume he's still at our party because we just fulfill our religious duty. We settle. We must stop assuming Jesus is in our party. 
celebrate is to remember God. Jesus gave David baby eyes. He's seven. You think, well, he's probably close by, but we're still moving further and further and further. We think, well, he's probably with our group. Yeah, we keep moving away from the Jesus that he revealed. It's time for the church to journey back to Jesus. It's time to stop assuming he's following us. if we put in our homes that that idol is just going to pop up and give us all the things we want. There was a, I'm just reminded of this song. There was a band, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of them, but they were, like, they were, they were a pretty cool band. They were, they were called All-Star United, Christian band, All-Star United. They had a song called La La Land, and in it he said, My Jesus decal does quite the trick. Right upon my dashboard I stick it. A good luck charm that keeps me from harm and saves me from feeling sick. And in so many ways, we have reduced Jesus to a good luck charm that we keep in our pocket to keep us from harm and to bless our efforts. And we just assume since Jesus is in our pocket, it's time we stop assuming he's following our programs, our politics, our preferences. It's time we take a turn, a journey back Find him, they found him in the temple. Jesus says, My father's house. My father's house. He said, Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? I, I want you to see something here. They assumed that Jesus was with family. They 
assume that Jesus must have been with family, and we get there, and we find out that Jesus was. Jesus was in his, in his father's house. Jesus teaches us to see God as father. Jesus teaches us to see God as the source of life. Jesus teaches us to see God as a relational deity. God isn't just an almighty being. He is an almighty father. God isn't just a providing deity. He's a providing father. God isn't just a healing power. He is a healing father. God isn't just a national God. He is the father to the fatherless. Jesus knew God as father. Jesus was God the Son spending time in his Father's house. And Jesus was the Son of Man teaching us how to approach God as Father, the God of Heaven, as our Heavenly Father. Jesus came from the Father to show us the way to the Father. This that God longs to have relationship with us. Jesus is God reconciling us to himself. Jesus is God bringing peace to rebel children. Jesus is God making a way for deliverance. Jesus is the lamb of the Passover, offering himself as the sacrifice to bring life to those under the curse of death. Jesus is the temple where we meet God. Time to get back to Jesus because Jesus is the good news. Jesus said, why are you searching for me? Why are, why, why are you searching for me? Jesus, Jesus asked him. Jesus isn't hard to find. We are searching for the answer. We are searching for hope. We are searching for peace. We are searching for love. We are searching for, for forgiveness. We are searching for purpose. We are searching for meaning in all of the wrong places. We must get back to Jesus. Start searching in the wrong places. Jesus is wherever the Father is. Jesus is bringing us to the Father. They didn't understand. Mary and Joseph didn't understand. They even scolded him. <laughs> how often, church, how often do we scold Jesus for not keeping up with us? Jesus for not following our plan? How often do we scold Jesus for leading us back to the temple? God, I thought that we were already past that. How often do we scold Jesus for bringing us back to the simple gospel of dwelling in the house 
I'll be, I'll be very transparent with you guys. Taking Carter to school the other morning in that Baptist church over there on snow. Right, right past the airport, right, right there before you. They have a sign that says something to the effect of, I've got it under, all under control, Jesus. And I'm like, <laughs> whatever. God, I hope that's true. That was me the other day. How often do we kill Jesus? How often do we get on to Jesus for not doing things the way we wanted him to or the way we thought that he would or the way we told him to or the way we prayed that he would? We scold Jesus, and when he does it different, we look for another plan instead of just following Jesus.
for this teaching today. Thank you for your presence and your spirit that has met us in the house. Lord, it is my prayer, my desire, my cry that we would be people who follow Jesus, that never assume that Jesus is in my party, but that I am making sure to stay close to where Jesus moment. 